Welcome to BHI in Focus. I'm your guide, Ree Bell, and on this episode, we are talking about skills, jobs, and the future. A conversation like this cannot happen without someone like Melinda Davis, Program Coordinator in the Employment Initiatives Team at Box Hill Institute's Skills and Jobs Centre and Apprenticeship Support Officer Programs. Since February 2016, Mel has mentored and managed people, supported government initiatives and programs, make connections with the community and build a provision of career services. Mel and her team at the Skills and Jobs Centre provide expert advice on training and employment and opportunities. Also engage with local industries to ensure that they can meet the needs of our local community. Mel, thank you for joining us at BHI in Focus. Thanks, Ray. Thanks for having me. That was a pretty nifty uh, intro, actually. Oh, I love it when people give me intros. It always makes me sound so amazing. And I was like, can you just be there every day to do that for me, please? <laughs> Look, I don't mind uh, standing next to you and being your personal hype girl. That's that's totally fine. Awesome. Sounds good to me. <laughs> I'll take it. Mel, <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about your background of working in employment services. Yeah, look, it's it's really interesting because leaving school, I would never have in a million years dreamed that I would work in the employment and education space. And I kind of never figured out what I wanted to do and just fell in this direction. So uh, I started off working in the Job Active contract. It's changed its name a few times, but that federal-based program started as a consultant and worked my way up to to a manager and then decided that wasn't for me and landed here um, at the at the Institute. So I've been here for about six years, started at Lilydale Lakeside to open that skills and job centre, mm-hmm. which was literally a vacant building when we, when we opened it down in John Street, a uh, bit of a ghost town down there, as I'm sure you were aware <laughs> at times. But, you know, we've slowly been able to, it's like, it's been like building blocks. It's mm-hmm. been able to put pieces together, get to know local industry. And, and I've sort of moved my way, you know, with Jane um, and now I'm sort of looking after all three centres. So we've got one at the city, uh, Lilydale and at Box Hill as well. And I also now look after the apprenticeship support offices in my in my little portfolio. Wow. And you're so passionate about it. Anytime I've had a conversation with you, you're just so excited and passionate about the area and, and what your team does. Where yeah. does that passion come from? I'm really lucky to be blessed with an amazing team. So the people that work with us, uh, we've been very stable. So most of them have been here with us for six years, which mm-hmm. is great. So we know each other really well. We have a really good unison and they're all here, I guess, for similar purposes is that we just want to make things better for people. We want to be able to provide that advice. Yeah. We want to have, you know, give people better quality. We want to give them the right advice and we really want to make a difference to their, you know, to their lives. And careers are often underestimated, like in other areas of your life, Mm -hmm. if you weren't feeling okay about it or you were struggling, people would go and get some advice or support, but people don't tend to to do that necessarily in their careers. They'll just struggle and not know where to go. And if we can bridge some of that gap, then that's something that, you know, for us coming to work each day means it's, it's a really valuable experience. Completely agree. Mm. I mean, everyone at one point or another has had a question about what to do for the future. So it's really good that your team is there to do those types of things. Yeah. Yep. Before we jump right into the conversation about skills and jobs, there is a significant change uh, coming up in that VCE and the VCAL space. How does this uh, impact your team and the advice you might give? 
Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting one because it's we haven't seen a reform like this in a very long time. So it's going to be a really interesting space for the next couple of years. And we've been working really closely with the schools unit, with Andrew and his team, to make sure that we're across the changes um, and know where to send people for more advice because it's really important for our team not to give the wrong advice. Mm-hmm. So we need to know the, the the fundamentals of what's happening. We need to be able to confidently speak about that and really confidently sell BHI as an as an option for people and believe in that product. And that's what working with Andrew's team has let us do that. So we, you know, from what we can tell and what we, we hear, it's going to be a lot more vocationally based, which for us matches with what industry has been asking for and what industry needs, which is important to us. And I guess the advice that we're going to give people, it, the core of it won't change. Mm-hmm. You've got to do what's right for you now. Yeah. yeah, It's not about what's going to be right for you in 10 years. It's about what is going to get you through the next two years to feel accomplished but also to to stay sane and, and focus on your mental health and well-being. That's such good advice. No no job, honestly, like it's it's my number one go-to, but no job should ever be at the sacrifice of your health and well-being. Like yeah. it's just it shouldn't happen. Uh, that ties actually perfectly into my next question. Tell us about the kind of support your team would give to apprentices. Yeah, look, we do so much with apprentices and it's an area that we're all really passionate about. So if you have a look across the two teams, I guess the apprenticeship support officers primarily, that's their whole role is to support apprentices. So they would generally pick up not just BHI apprentices, but apprentices based on sort of postcode locations Mm -hmm. and they support them in their first year. So predominantly it's under 25. So they would pick them up, they'd give them a call, introduce themselves, do what we call a risk assessment to make sure that, you know, their basics are being covered, that they're safe at work, they're supervised, they know where to go to get some of the financial support and then we're there for them throughout that duration of the apprenticeship if they if they need it. So they're just, again, they're just like that, I guess, person that you can go to. You yeah. might not need them and that's what we say, best case scenario is we'll never hear from you again because that means that everything's going really well, which is what we want to see. But just in case it's not and you don't know who else to go to, yeah. there's that team, you know, there and um, they're a great bunch of, of we've got four ASOs here at Box Hill and, and they're, again, really passionate about what they do. They're mm-hmm. great operators and they're incredibly knowledgeable as well. And they love their football. They love their football. Yes, <laughs> they do love their football. We have some passionate, we have a, a Geelong and an Essendon supporter in there and um, we do love our footy tipping. We, yes. Yes, we do have a lot of side messages about the footy tipping and have our own little a uh, little banter about that, which is a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, they're a great team and they feed really well into the Skills and Jobs Centre who, you know, they run the jobs board. So if you haven't seen the jobs board, make sure you check it out. It's on the Student Hub on Student Web. But we do get lots and lots of employers calling us to place vacancies, which will go there and we'll email that out to the, the cohorts as well and let them know. We quite often communicate with the with the uh, teachers to let them know that vacancies have been put up. Uh, and we do also support with things like resumes, you know, cover letters, applications, all yeah. of those things as well if it's needed. Wow. That's a lot. It is. It Look, it it sounds like a lot, but it's for us, it's just what we do. So, yeah. we, you know, if, if a BHI student or someone in the community comes in and needs help, We'll always find that, you know, support for them. I think last quarter uh, we saw 601 individual clients oh in across all of the three the three centres. Yeah, it was quite a large number and it was our largest amount of employers that had contacted us um, since I can since I've been doing the reporting, so for, for six years. So there's a lot of lot of employers looking for staff at the moment. So uh, this is very like on brand really for the next question. Yeah. Um, we often hear about 
um, the term, you know, trending industry and megatrends. What exactly does that mean? Yeah, it's interesting because we do a lot of presentations on that. and It's about where are the jobs going to be? It's about looking at local data. It's about, They look at census data. They look at of all the jobs that are advertised on SEEK. They pull, the federal government pulls all of this information together and through the labour market portal, you know, reduces, um, produces information on where are the jobs likely to be over the next five years. So our team really use that as a guiding point when we're talking to people who don't know what they want to do. If we're talking about maybe education, coming back and studying, Mm -hmm. it's a really good guide to go, if you're going to come and study, you should be looking at these areas. Mm. No one can ever guarantee you a job, but this is where the predicted growth. And if you look at something like healthcare and social assistance, that's got a 20% growth in jobs over the next five years. That's a lot of people that's going to be, you know, required. And it's it's really important as well to look at that on a local level because realistically people don't want to travel long ways for work. So we, we need to sort of have a look at that, but it's a really good guide and it basically tells us where are the jobs predicted to be. So it's a good place to start looking. How do we use this uh, information for BHI? Like how, what does this mean for for us and our organisation? So it it just means we should be aligning up the courses that we offer to where the jobs are going to be and looking at what industry actually, you know, actually needs. Um, So when you look at the free TAFE courses, it's Mm -hmm. no surprise that all of those free TAFE courses actually fall into those top five categories of of, yeah, of where it is. So free TAFE has really been aimed on the on the back of that. Skill sets are something that are growing in popu- popularity because they're short. People really don't want to invest in long-term courses all the time, especially if you're already working. Yeah. There's always been that issue around I, I can't give up income to come and study. Yes. So, you know, skill sets and micro-credentials are a, a value add to people that mm-hmm. they can do while working at the same time. I briefly touched on uh, the Skills and Job Centre in my introduction. Could you tell us a little bit more about it and who can use this service? I know that when we have spoken in the past, you've always referred to it as like a resource for your back pocket. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. That's something that, yeah, that comes out of my, those words I say a lot. It is, it's one of the very few community-based programs that has no eligibility. So absolutely anyone, whether you're a BHI student or not, can use the service. And normally when you look at community services, there are some sort of restrictions on that. Mm -hmm. You know, like you have to be in a certain cohort or you have to be this. There's absolutely nothing. So any member of the local community can come and access our services and the services that we provide are constantly growing, mm-hmm. but they're, it's based around career advice and guidance, pathway advice, course advice, development of job search skills, things like resumes, cover letters, even having those conversations about where to start to look for work, expanding people's ideas of how to find a job. Um, we're doing a lot of work at the moment in sort of workshop space, designing yep. solutions to bridge the gap because we need to find people for these employers that are coming coming through. And a lot of the work that we try and do is feeder work. We look at designing programs that will actually bring people into the, the institute as well. Yeah. Uh, such a breadth and depth of services that you offer. Yep. It really goes back to that number that you were talking about before, that 601. Yeah. That's... So much. It is. It's a lot of people. And the reason we're able to see so many people now has been, I guess, with the emergence of video conferencing. Of course. Yeah. Pre-COVID, we never would have seen anyone online. No, you have to come in. We have to do this formally. Whereas during COVID, 
our team had to adapt, as most teams did, but really quickly. And our work didn't slow down. I know for a lot of people, you know, during COVID and a lot of industries it did, we just kept building on that building block because we were able to, you know, move all of our services remotely. We were able to really adapt and pre-record as well. Mm -hmm. That became a really popular thing to be able to pre-record some sessions. So we did some sessions that the SIU could then send out to all of the parents. Oh, wow. And that went out in an email. We did some sessions. A lot of schools were grappling with there's no year 10 work experience program, but it's oh. still a requirement we have to meet. So we were able to really develop able to develop quickly some resources that yep. they could play in a remote learning setting. So when the student got up to that part, they could play and we would design some activities to show that they've actually watched it. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Going back to the pandemic, yep. there's been a lot of chatter in the media about the great resignation. Yep. And I know you and I have had a chat about this. Yep. Uh, is it a myth? It is absolutely not a myth. No, I remember the first time I heard that, the great resignation, one of my team actually mentioned it in our team meeting and it was coming out of the USA um, and they were starting to give information about this great resignation and we are seeing that here now. And it's when, when we say the great resignation, it's not a whole bunch of people just walking in with their resignation letters going, hey, I'm done, see you later, I'm out. It's basically... The easiest way I can explain what we're seeing Mm -hmm. is that people are now valuing more of that work-life balance. So it is things like flexible work, which isn't always working from home. You know, it could be picking your hours or being able to work around other other commitments. A lot of people aren't wanting to work full-time. They're dropping back to three or four days a Mm -hmm. week and they're looking for things that have more meaning now. They're Mm -hmm. actually looking for meaningful things. And I think when you come through an experience like COVID, it does really – get you to reshape what you value and what you're looking for. And it's really important to remember that had a different impact on everybody. So not everyone's the same there, but that's what we're seeing now. And it's sort of, I guess, why we're seeing so many roles available. Um, And we've been, we're in a market at the moment where there's more jobs than people to, to fill them for a multitude of reasons. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the great resignation is, is real and employers are needing to adapt and industries needing to adapt to that as well. Do you feel that uh, businesses and employers are adapting to those changes? Is there some that are dragging their feet a little bit? Oh, there always will be. It's one, yeah. yeah. Change is one of those things. You'll have some organisations that are that are leading that, and uh, I guess those organisations of choice, and then you get some that you know, take a, a little bit longer. But that's that is what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, flexible work is a really big one that mm. we're hearing at the moment. Work life balance. And to be honest, now that I've had that as well, as as a parent, it's something that I value far more than money. Yeah. You know, to be able to have a career but also balance that around my my kids, that's a really important thing because we have this analogy, you've got to think of two trains. Yes. And one's your career and one's your life. Yeah. And you need those trains on two separate tracks but chugging along at the same speed. So mm-hmm. eventually, you know, you just, you're moving in a really stable direction. If your career is fighting, what your personal life and what your needs are, and that could be lots of things. It's not just kids. Eventually those trains are going to come into a massive collision yeah. and that's where we see, you know, the the breakdowns or the resignation or I'm not sure what I'm mm. going to do here or people feeling like they've got to choose between yeah. one or the other and realistically now you don't have to choose. You don't have you to don't choose. You don't have to choose. You and can that have is both. the silver lining of the yeah. pandemic is, I mean, pen, you know, silver lining of the pandemic. But yeah coming out of that learning is is exactly that. Oh, absolutely. We're, prob- we're, we're years ahead of where we would have been. Um, would I repeat that? No, of course I wouldn't. But no. you do have to take some of the positives out of that yeah. to go that they're, the, the world of work has changed 
significantly. That hybrid model has happened a lot quicker. Yeah. The transition to online study, which is something that people really value as well because mm-hmm. they want to be able to study in their own time. I mean, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that's, yeah, I'm doing the same. And we need to, I guess as an institute, we, we need to recognise that, that we we can't always have people in the building, but it doesn't mm. mean that we can't educate them anyway. Of course, yeah. yeah. I've known you for a while. Yeah. And I know how much connecting the, like with the community is important to you yep. and to your team. Yeah. Could you explain why that is? Yeah, look, for us the community is the foundations of what we of what we do. It's particularly here at BHI, if we didn't have the community, none of us would have jobs. You know, mm. the community is what feeds in. If you look here and we're sitting at Lakeside and you can look across the, the road here, yeah. we're an education institute, but we've also got a public library. Yeah. You know, we also have a cafe, a commercial business, there's a childcare centre. We're a little community in ourselves and yes. it's really important to provide that connection, provide that safe space for people uh, where they can come and get that advice and know they're getting advice that's genuine and it's not for any other purpose but to help them. Of so, course, yeah. yeah, for us, community is just something that we're really involved in. We want to bring them into the institute in lots of different levels and we want them to feel really connected into what they do. It's a real vibe here too, it is. the community vibe. is It's very prevalent at Lilydale. And we are recording at the uh, Helen Buckingham Innovation Centre in are. one of the podcast pods today. So it's very exciting. Um, and if you are listening to this podcast, which I know all of you will be, but if you are listening, um, please email the code word cookie to staffcoms at boxhill.edu.au for your chance to win a very cool prize. And if all of the Skills and Jobs Centre and ASO team haven't sent that word, I'm going to want to know why they weren't <laughs> listening to this podcast. Yeah, I will, I will give you a detailed list. Thanks. Um, so just to end off, yeah. um, if there are any key takeaways that anyone could get from our chat today, what yeah. would you want that to be? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's definitely that your career is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. So decisions that you make have to be right for you now. And we genuinely encourage you to look at the next five years. No one's asking you to pick a career that you're going to do for the rest of your, your life. Your life changes. You're not the same person when you're 18 mm-hmm. to when you're 30 to when you're 40 to when you're retiring. So make sure that your career aligns with where your personal life is. And if you're not sure how to make that happen or you don't feel that that's working for you, then come and seek some support of people who can sort of guide you in the right direction and let you know of all the amazing programs and services and initiatives that are, that are out there to, to help in that career space. That's such good advice. Thanks. <laughs> Maybe we should put it on a on, on like a postcard or a poster or something. Or a mug. Or a mug, yep. <laughs> Uh, Mel, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure. <laughs> I think we've all learned a lot about B- what BHI is doing in the future workforce today, so I really appreciate it. Welcome. Uh, that's all for BHI in Focus, and we have a lot of exciting episodes to come, and we want to hear from you. So make sure you tell us what you thought of this episode on Yammer, or send us an email to staffcoms at boxhill.edu.au, and stay tuned for more great episodes coming your way. Bye for now. Bye.